Please to page 65. <coughs> 65. You need, you need a booklet. Yossi, can you grab a booklet from there? From the yes, please do. Yes. Page 65. Thank you. All right. Chaver for Shabbos was a Gevald Shabbos here. Mamash, very strong Shabbos. And Yishakoch to all of you. And um, also last night, I really felt that uh, it was very much a totsa'ah, a result of, of what we've been doing. You know, mamish, just like, it's, it's, it's really, uh, I felt a direct hashpa'ah from everything that we're doing. And I hope that you guys feel part of every, anything, any growth that's happening on the bigger picture. And if you see someone's heart opening through, through anything that has to do with what we're privileged to do on any level, that you should, you should feel that you really that it's part of you as well. It's a very strong thing. I hope, I hope you feel like that. Come, Jack, we're starting. Page 65. Shekoff, we're coming back. Yeah. Yeah, page 65. So this is a piece I wanted to get to from the beginning, but I dafka waited till Rav Gavriel finished his piece. And we were, you were learning from the Ishbitzer, from the world of Ishbitz, about the concept of Shofar Gadol. Shofar Gadol is the Shofar that we're really hoping to hear. Shofar Gadol is the Shofar which will bring home everybody. We say this also, Uve Shofar Gadol Yitaka. We say this in the middle of Unatane Tokef, on the Musaf prayer of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Ube shofar gadol itaka. With a great shofar, we will, that, that's what will, will, will be heard. But then it says right afterwards, V'kol d'mama daka yishama. You ever notice that? It's a contrast. V'kol d'mama daka yishama. When, when I'm chazen, I always say, you'll notice it. Uve shofar, I scream out, Ube shofar gadol itaka. 
with such loudness, and then the cold mama Sometimes, when you really scream out what needs to be screamed out in the moment, then all those things that are much, you can only hear when things are more quiet, can, can be heard. In fact, I noticed it last night, it's one of the elements of Rabbi Riskin speaking. Do you ever notice that? While he's speaking, he'll say, Gadol and then he'll go back into this, like, uh, do you do that? With that subconsciously, maybe? I just Could don't be. remember risking. <laughs> <laughs> you <mamish> don't. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the speaking elements, yeah. But there is this Indian of, like, when things are blasted out, then you can hear the things that you, don't, that you can't always hear. It's very interesting. We've been learning with sounds, with listening. It's, 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 it's sometimes to really listen to the things that are barely spoken is, 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 uh, is almost impossible unless you know how to, unless you know how to listen. A person, that, that, uh, someone who really knew how to listen and how to listen to him, too, was Rav Cook. And this piece that I wanted to do right now is first, I don't know how much we're going to get through it today, but it's first based on a testimony. And I love these kind of Torahs. When you learn a Torah based on a testimony of someone that witnessed the Torah taking, get, being given over, to me, it always goes right inside. For instance, when I had friends that were with Rib Shlomo when he wrote Nigunim, so before they taught me the Nigunim, they would say to me, oh, we were here, and this was happening. And then he said that, and then that happened, and he gives you a whole like, you know, scenic view of what was taking place, and then he tells you, and this is what happened, and this is what was said. Wow, it t- totally takes it over. It's that Hashgata piece is the same thing, I feel like. Absolutely. Having that backdrop of the Rebbe bring them into his chamber. Please to the people in the back. Just the idea of like what we learned from the Ish Kodesh of the Hashgata. It's the same thing. I feel like the scene was set for us. Now I can picture it much easier than yeah. I could just reading it in It's a true. When you can visualize... You know why by BRI, Breslau Research Institute, they're, they're incredible on so many levels, but when it comes to like this set of the Black Swarm of Likute Maharan, so before every teaching... When it begins to, you know, there, there are plenty, there, there, there are hundreds of teachings of Rabbi Nachman, right? Whenever through the Sfarim, the older Sfarim of Breslov, whenever there was any kind of documentation regarding the, the scenario of where the Torahs were given, <coughs> excuse me, they first explain everything, the setting. Where was Rabbi Nachman? When did he say this? Where was Rabbi Nassim when this was said? Was he around? When he, and then, and then, only then, you start. You ever noticed that, Jerry? Yes, you've noticed that. That's how we think. Isn't isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel that when that's provided to you in the. By the way, Chabad talk about documenters. Wow, they everything, mamish, every single thing. When the when the Altar would say a Torah, for instance, we have. I just want to give you guys a little bit of familiar, familiarity with this farm. So, for instance, it's one of the first farm I got. This book called Chasidus Mevoeres, which takes Ma'amar and discourses of the Al- Chasidut Mevoeret, which takes discourses of the Alter Rebbe, very hard discourses, and it gives you an incredible, incredible parish on the bottom. But before, for instance, one of the famous discourses of the Alter Rebbe is Anila Dodi Vedodi Li. So before it even starts to explain anything, this discourse on Lidodi was said by Rabbeinu Azakin Bishabis Mavarchim Elul Tafkuf Nun Zain, eighteen oh seven. And then explains over here exactly where he was, how he said it. And somehow when you have that setting, it put it, it really does put things into place instead of just opening a book and saying, Info, come here. It kind of brings an Eitz Chaim energy to what it is and 
it, you know, this we're going into Tavshin Ayin Ches, Tehesh Nas Eitzchayim. This is, I feel like, a really big year. A really big year for, we, all, we should always feel like that, but anyway, we, I, what I wanted to do is to learn a very, very powerful piece about this Shofar Gadol from Rav Kook, but to get us a context, the scenic view of what was happening, because, you know, Rav Kook lived in crazy times. His times were like, just what was going on in the country was incredible. Specifically this piece. So look at the bottom of page 65. Bekovitz Orchot, there's this certain booklet called Orchot. Moselanu Echad Talmid. There it says there was a Talmid that gave over the following, but it says here who exactly it was. Halohu Yekir Yerushalayim, Rabbi Eliezer, Heliner. Aliner, never heard of him, this Rabbi Eliezer. And what does he give over? This is an amazing thing. He's giving over a beautiful explanation of the drasha that Rav Kook gave on Rosh Hashanah in the Churva. You all know where the Churva is, right? Yeah. It sure is. It sure isn't what, what it was now, huh? There was a period of time when it was built and then destroyed. So he's yeah. going to explain here exactly what it looked like then, also. Right? But I'm just saying, in terms of you, you guys know where the Chorva is in the old city, right? So the Cook is giving over Rosh Hashanah Drasha in the Chorva, page sixty-five. Gevat Adjan. Shenemra beetzara. It was said during a time of distress. Vasta Roshem Gadol Akol Shomer. And it had a great, tremendous impression on all who heard it. So now he starts to give over his testimony. Sofa kites shall shnat taf reish tzadeh gimel. What year is that? If Rav Kook dies in 1935, and that's taf reish tzadeh right. So it's summer 1933. No, what's going on in the world? 1933. The Nazis are taking over Germany. Exactly. Now we always, I always think about this, like if Rav Kook was around during the six million, would he have sounded any differently? Because he's so optimistic, he's so beautifully poetic, and he speaks with such positivity. Had he been around through witnessing the six million, I always wonder what his tone would have been like. But I'm forgetting that he was around for the beginning of the darkness. So look what he says here. So fakaitz shel shnat tafresh tzadikimam. הידיעות המגיעות מגרמניה על חדשי שלטונו הראשונים של היטלר נוראות ואיומות מיום ליום. Reports are coming from Germany regarding the first few months of Yemach Shemo's שלטון, his reign, thank you. And the reports that are coming back are, are darker and darker every single day. But at the same time, But the issue, the settlement of Eretz Yisrael, is developing more and more in, nine, in the summer of 1933. Why? Because this Talmud says, What does that mean? Preparing a remedy for the disease. העלייה לארץ ישראל מכל ארצות מרכז אירופה גוברת והולכת. העלייה is starting to... I mean, you read this with such sadness, because this, this guy thinks it's happening, right? This guy's giving a report saying, wow, Aliyah is happening. How much came, how much? 
What percentage of European Jewry came here in 1933, 34, 35, 36? Bubkus, right? And he's writing because he's, he's saying, no, it's, it's happening there, you know. Well, from where he stood, it looked very substantial. But it, it gives to us the, the, the 12 million Jews in correct. Europe, what was it? It gives us an incredible take on, you know, how certain people viewed what was happening. You know, some people said, yeah, it's, it's awful, and that's why it's so good that people are starting to come to Eretz Yisrael. And yet we're here 80 years later, and we're like, oh my God. I mean, just to put things into perspective, in the early 1900s, it was about 10,000 Jews every 10 years. In the 30s, it was 20,000 in 10 years. So it was like double. Right, so for him it is, yeah. And now yeah. it's 10,000 Jews a year are coming in. So it's like 10 times as much. But for so just so to go back to him, if he like was for him, people. if it's twenty thousand in the thirties and kafu, it's kafu. So it does look amazing. Already, already by the thirties, Jerusalem was was overwhelmingly Jewish. It was a small country with a small Jewish population. So right. a few thousand looks big compared to Europe. It's nothing. Fourth, third line, last last word in the third line. Ba'im anashim maskinim umelumadim. Intelligent, learned people are starting to make aliyah. You hear this? It's amazing. Mevi'im imahem gam hon. They're bringing with them some guilt. Vehem mishtatfim kavuzman katsar bevinyan ha'aretz v'pitucha. And before they know it, they're mishtatif. They're involved in the building and development of the land of Israel. This is what this guy is saying. That's so cool. Is that? And I'm speaking myself. Do like we feel this way? Do we feel like that we're a part of? Maybe you won't do, and I. I was just thinking, we're Jewish, We're here, and you're doing, and, and we're we're this, we're this right now, and we're helping develop Eretz Yisrael. And the more we come, I mean, there are smart people coming now, intellectual people with the technology, the way that, yeah, <laughs> all that's coming, and we have a huge opportunity. On, what this. we to do? Yeah, I feel, I feel yeah, that's we, we now have an opportunity. But it's, it's important to have that consciousness. But like Jeremy said, said, it's on us. Yeah. Like Jeremy said, here we are again, looking at it again, and now it's kahul. It's like 10,000... Uh, a year. Hey, Grove Klal Yisrael is here. What's 10,000 oh, a year? 10,000 a year. Just last year was like 8,000 from France. Two days ago. Yeah. It's, like close to it's true. We're still not there yet. Oh, Rov, uh, almost. But we're here. But we're here. Yeah. Not just here. We're here to contribute to make a difference. Not just to be here. Not just to be here. To make a difference. This is how he's looking. Yeah. He's looking. He's saying the people that are here have accumulated. They've become so so fast. They've become part of the this natural beautiful development, this natural development of the Yishuv, of the settlement of Eretz Yisrael. They came with a little bit of gelt, they have a little bit of a cup, and look what they're doing. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. This is Rav Kook speaking. No, this is the student that will explain to us what this, he's explaining to us what it looked like in Yerushalayim then. And he's going to give us... Giving over, as as he's giving over what Rav Kook no, said. No, 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 no. Not no. yet. No, 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 no. He's just painting the picture. He's painting the picture, but it's... it's so these are his words, Rebbe Eliezer. Yeah, yeah, he's painting the picture. This is very important. He's just painting the picture. Look what he says. Yoter mishloshim elef yehudim alu la'aretz b'chol ha'shana ahi. Jeremy, hear what he says? It's like when the show started happening, they're like, ran. Oh, well, not enough, but yeah. More than 30,000 Jews came to Israel that year. 
Now look what he says here. He t'nagdut ha'aravim lo ba'od li'edei bitui. He pratzarak acharkach. Now, I'm not quite sure why he's saying this. He's saying that the Arab rage really started to come out in fury and fierceness later, but... That's not Chevron's before. Chevron's 1929, not just Chevron. Tarpat, there was a bunch of things happening. 1929, there are about four mokdim, four uh, spots where these pogroms were happening. But again, you know why he's saying this? How fast did word travel back? What do we know about how much they were aware of what was happening in the bigger picture? We don't really know. I'm sure he knew something happened, but maybe he's saying in comparison to what was going to happen. Or what happened four years ago, this year has been a quiet year. Right. What Could be. starting a year after he died, 36 to 39. ואנחנו חשבנו שהיננו רואים ושומעים את פעמיה גאולה המתקרבת ובאה. Because, you know, he's also writing there from the Meitzar, and he's you know, obviously giving over, like, this is Mamash Mashiach, you know. It's very hard. It's, it's very hard to swallow, but it's important to paint this picture. A week before Rosh Hashanah was, was known, Word got out that Rav Kook was coming to Davin in the Chorva this year. And he's going to give over a drasha, a drasha that has to do with the times, right? That's what he means. He's not going to give over a pill pool on that was not going to be the drasha. Mamish, let's talk about what's happening right now. Which was today. Right? They had the, the, the posters going up everywhere inviting Amisel to come be with Rav Kook, 1933, but this is from a sefer that I, I highly recommend all of you to get. You know, whenever I say that, I only have one student that always buys it. Two students. Yeah. One's here, I'm not going to mention who it is. Another one is a woman, Esti. Esti Golovetsitz, who we daven by her son's kever in Ayurzel. I went to the house during Shiva. I saw every sefer I've mentioned in Shear on her, on her shelf. I could not believe it. So one of the svarim that I've mentioned, because I did allow the women, is from this sefer. If you look at top, you see the name of the sefer next to the number or page number, Mo'adei HaRe'aya. Avi Miller should be here today because this is Rav Neria's grandfather put out this book, Mo'adei HaRe'aya. It's a whole book on on Rav Kook's uh, uh, celebration of the Yantiv, of the Yom Tovim. Uh, all the different from, from Melukat, it's taken from all different svarim, describing Rav Kook's experience of, of, of Chagim. Beautiful. Of that could be celebration of the something. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know about that. I don't know if it's the exact one, but I know, I know about that in English. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful sefer. Beautiful. Okay. Now he's going into Yantiv. ביום הראשון של החג בבוקר השם נתגלה כי רבים מאוד הם האנשים הרוצים לראות את המעמד הזה ולשמוע מה יאמר בו. 
what happens Yantiv morning? Word is gets out that the masses are on their way. Now at this point in Rav Kook's life, in 1933, he's been through a lot. He's mamish been through a lot. We look at Rav Kook as someone that is this beloved, peaceful figure. Rav Kook was hunted, hunted in his lifetime. The stuff people did to him, Hashem Yirachim Aleinu, the ridicule, the cherems that he was put in, the, the way that the certain sects of Yiddishkeit treated Rav Kook. Oh my God. If we started with the stories, you wouldn't believe what people did to him. He was the biggest threat that ever happened to establish Yiddishkeit. I got it from all sides also, because he couldn't put him in a box. They must have hated that. Hated it. Hated Rav Kook, Itamar? They were up, if it was up to him, they would throw, they were, they would throw him out of Israel. There's yeah, a book called Angel Among Men in English about all of the stories, about what the terrible yeah. things they would do to him. I have it and all now he would just too. be Avant Israel Ad Hasof. Like, One year before Pesach, Rav Kook calls, no, Rav Kook was in America. He sends a telegram to one of his Talmudim saying, listen, there's this sum of money that needs to go, Kimcha de Pischa, to be distributed by this year. You have to go and send it to him. The, the Talmud said to him, I'm not giving that guy the money. He said, why? He said, you and I both know why. This guy is the one that's mevaza you. He, dis- he, he, um, he disgraces you in public more than anyone else. This guy, this guy puts you out, puts you to, it's disgusting what he says about you. You want me to go and give him staka? If Cook says, what, he said to him, what does that have to do with the mitzvah of the Kim Chadapisha? This is who we're learning about. Oh, we tell, I'll give you that book. That, but Jared, we talking about some chorazes? Yeah, exactly. I'll give it to you. I have it in my house. But, but what he went through? Listen, all the greats, what the Rambam's books weren't burnt a few times. All the, anyone that's a little bit you know, more than just average is a threat. Reb Nassim? Reb Nassim was, he was, people tried to kill him. Reb Nassim. Not misnagdim. Chassidim. Other sects of Chassidim tried to kill Reb Nassim. Craziness. Anyway, by 1933 though, just to put a little bit in context, it's a different era in Rav Kook's life. It's not that suddenly he became accepted amongst everyone, but there's some, there's some kind of a, of a... He was already an elderly man. He was older. He's the, He's the chief rabbi now. It's a different ballgame, but still has misnagdim, but those guys are misnagdim to ever, anything always. Word gets out, Rav Kook's coming to the Churva, Rosh Hashanah. Everyone wants to be there. Im or, second line, Im or hayom, with, from daylight, Yaradnu lechol orech rechov yafo. Hashaket beyoter. I don't know where he started, but I just imagine, Mamash, the same rechov yafo that we have today in Yerushalayim, they started walking down rechov yafo, which led you to Shar, the same Shar, was it Shar? Same shar. So he said it was so quiet. Also because it was so early. Because the sanctity of, of the day. He's saying, still, most of the commerce, most of the stores on that strip is still, Adain means before it changed. For a period of, yeah, for a period of time, oh. yeah, for sure. It was still all Jewishly owned, so most stores were closed. 
הגענו לחומת העיר העתיקה. You could see this. We came to the חומה. We came to the wall. ונכנסנו לתוך הדרך שער יפו. בגרות רושע יפו, 1933. בסמטאות הערביות שמעבר לשער כבר שתקו החיים בכל עמודותם. He's saying, once you crossed inside, total, uh, uh, you know, everything was happening. The, all the Arab stories, everything was open, everything was loud. Was total, he's probably talking about walking through the shuk, yeah. right? Mamish, everything was just out there. Hamon nitchak besimtaot. People were, it was very, dachuk, uh, it was very, and he said dachuk, it was very uh, crowded, yeah, walking through the alleyways and the shuk. going up and down the stairs. The closer we got to the Jewish quarter, The more we got close to the Jewish quarter, we saw, there's gonna, we saw, wow, there's, there are more people here today than ever. A lot of small groups, but constantly coming in, group after group. Would come out of the alleyways. And they all gathered to the main Jewish street. Now, Yossi, what is the main Jewish street back then, 1933, in the old city? What do you think it is? Uh, I'd say like the Or what's the one that's that's parallel to it lower? By the Chor. What is that street? Is, I think it's called Rehova Yehuda. Next to the Chor. Next to the Cardo. Right by the Cardo. What's the name of that street? It's the one that's coming in from Tradition. Yeah, the parking lot. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're still... No, you're right by... You're by, you guys know no, Rechol Chabad? Old city parking lot. Right beneath. Old city the, oh, oh, I thought you meant, city. sorry, I thought you meant on the bottom of the parking lot, Charish, but. Right down the uh, street. Yeah, yeah, that right one. Yeah, sure. It could be, yeah, that's the, that's the Chorban. I think it's called Rechol Yudim. So he, when he says over here, when he says over here, I think he's literally telling us what street it is, too. I think it's that strip right over there. It's not much of a street. Whichever it was. What, whatever it is, that's the place. Kovayudim is the one where Kovix is, right above the Correct. Yeah. That's Chabad. That's Chabad. Chabad is above. No? When they go yeah. down the steps, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Chabad, no. Yeah. No, that would be so 2017. What do you mean? <laughs> Back inside. So Effie, you're right. The Churva here, huh? I started a project last year. On the Churva? Yeah, yes? What did the Churva look like back then? The Shul. This is before it was destroyed, right? Meaning, before it was destroyed and rebuilt many, many times. The other Shul, I mean, like, there was... There was moments גבר זרם הבאים מכל קצבי העיר לחורבה. 
suddenly the flow of people, everyone's flowing towards the Churva, more and more people. Davening time is starting very soon. Hainu, Hayehudim Ayehidim, Shesahu Neged Azerem, Asher Kulo Shataf Lekivun Echad, El Chatzara Churva. It was almost like there was a flow of traffic, but all the Jews were flowing to one direction, and everyone else was flowing to somewhere else. But you could see the flow was all towards the Churva. Oh, Hayinu, wait, wait. He's saying, we were the only Jews that were going against the flow because everyone else was flowing towards the shul and they were leaving the shul. Thank you. Yeah, they were, they were going just to see the streets. They weren't leaving the shul. They got caught up with this flow of people going towards them. I always imagine that Aliyah Regal like that. You get a sense of a little bit of Chalmah Tzukas if you ever try to go to the Kotel at any given time. Huh? Neitzan Shavuiz too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> so many Yidin were passing us. Most of them had taluses and machzors in their hand. Most of them actually had their talus already on. The only thing they had in common was they all wore talisim, but their, their levush was, was different. Because it all came from, remember, how many people were tzabarim back then? How many were sabras back then? People are coming from all over the world, right? Mainly from all over Europe, really, but not, not really the world yet. But people look different. Mamish, so many people look very different. Rabim habgadim ha'eropeim. Mainly is this European garb. Hashchorim ve'achagim, this festive black garb. Acherim b'malbush mizrahi lechol sugav ha'shonim. Others... We're wearing all different types of Sephardi clothing. And amongst them were also scattered a few classic, original, original Yerushalmis. Okay? A Bekeshe, right? With a with a Tseva Bolet, a, uh, a color that's a... Uh, Stands out. The stands out. Now today, what, what what's the lavush of the Yerushalmi? The white striped strimal. Uh Bekesha. No, that's the one they wear on weekdays. On Shabbat they wear it with brown and gold. With, okay, yeah. so so I'm not sure which one he's saying. If it's go- whichever. Either one is bolet. My yeah. friend of mine, my friend of mine, like he was living in Woodmere and he got you know he he had this whole like uh, rebirth of frumkite and he got into Rav Weinberger and he started wearing this Yerushalmi lavush to shul one day. And Rav Weinberger, like he came to get a, a Shalom Aleichem after Shul, and Rav Weinberger told him, he said to him, whatever his name was, even Yerushalmis don't even dress like this anymore. <laughs> so he, he, he didn't put it back on. No, no, it, it saved his marriage. It's good. Hamegia ad la'aretz. So basically this, this Bekesher reaches, reaches the floor. Veshtraimel rachav al rosho. One of those heady strimals. Not like, you know, the big fat ones. That's the Bush Yerushalmi. But what is he saying? They're all trying to get to the Churva on time to get a good seat. But from far, we could see there's a specific group that's slowly, slowly coming 
getting closer and closer to the Churvan. Zohaita Kvutzat Melavav Shalarav. It was Rav Cook's posse. Entourage. Bnei Mishpachto V'talmidei Yeshivato Merkaz Arav. His family and his students from his yeshiva Merkaz Arav. You get the chills just thinking about this. Imamish Rav Cook is walking. Rav Tzvi Yehuda is walking there. Rav Charlap on one side. Rav Nazir on another side. And they're all walking with the Rav to the Churva. Barosh, Halach Harav, at the head of this group, Rav Kook is walking, with this glorious statue, and in his Yantiv Dik Levush. What was Rav Kook's Levush on Yantiv? Me'il Meshi Shachor, a silk black coat, Dak, a a, uh, huh? a thick, huh? Thin, sorry, a thin <coughs> silk black coat. Ote et kol gufo at kapot raglav. Covers his whole body until Mamash's feet. Lerosho chavusha shrimel hagavoa. And you know what a shrimel hagavoa is? It's those shrimels that. Right, up. As opposed to the ones that are more flat and round, there are ones that, like Mamash, Alele Mamash. There are pictures of him wearing a shrimel. Yeah? Yeah. It's like a spot. The famous ones, yeah. But that's not as important as the next line. His eyes are sparkling like lightning. But even though they're sparkling, right, like like lightning, you could see, see you could still see them dreamy. What a what a teur, what a description, huh? This guy, Mamish, had such patience to internalize what, this, what he saw, right? What a description this guy is giving. Whoever crossed him or reached him from behind, people bowed, kneeled before him out of covet. They, they, I don't know if it's total kneel or just, you know, bowing down like that. And he goes like this, with his shaking of his head, acknowledging each person that comes up to him. They, Mamish, bowing down to him. They grab his hand to kiss it. Now look what he says here. Aravim mitzadedim atzmam kenivhalim mipnim ar'ehahod. The Arabs were freaked out from such a from such a scene, from such a scene of covered, of, of, of the Mamish put Yira into them. Alpha Shotrim Habritim. Now we're putting things into context. And the British, the British, British soldiers, right? We're right there. The Chayale Hod Malchuto and his honorable soldiers, right? Hamemaharim the Mamachtam, that they're always running to go and do something. Mevarchimoto Behatzda'a. Whatever it is. Yeah, It's very interesting. Guf Matuach means... Uh, huh? Yeah, so they're, they're saluting him. Understanding your attention. He gave them a return. He, he saluted them back by touching his strimo. It's crazy. 1933, Rosh Hashanah. I 
פנינו אחור ונגרפנו בזרם. פנינו אחור ונגרפנו בזרם. Meaning, so he's like, wow, we, we, we were back, right? And we got, we got swamped up by this, by this zerem, by this, uh, <coughs> yeah, the flow. When we came back to, these, to the narrow uh, um, alleyways, it started getting mamish clogged up. And then suddenly we bursted in to the shore. Okay? Meaning no one knew what was going, no one knew where they were. It was just like you're finally in this kind of a flow, then you burst into the Chorva Shore. Here, though, we saw that this very, very tzafuf, uh, uh, tzafuf, this clog, this uh, crowded standing, this already seemed to us as something that was more vach, that was spacious, as comparing to what it was like to walk inside. through the alleyways. He's describing what it was like inside. Obviously, what he's describing is very similar to what Biden felt like when the Beis HaMikdash, when it says, Omdim tzfufim, that when they stood up, it was very crowded, but the miracle based on the English is that when they korim revachim. That's what I was, you know that nigun v'ha'ko'anim, that I have a nigun v'ha'ko'anim v'ha'am? So I was, it came down when I was thinking about that miracle that took place in the Beis HaMikdash, ha'yukorim u'mishtachvim, that when they would, ha'yukorim, when they would bow down, suddenly space was created, because when you make yourself into nothing, you actually create more space into the world. That was the miracle of Beis HaMikdash. When you stood up and it's you, safuf. When you make yourself into nothing and bow down, you create more space. So this is like the wording he's using here is very similar to Mamash, but it was like how they described the miracle in the base on Megdash. But still, it seems to me, seems to me no one's going to be able to sit down and shul this day. It was so crowded. Between the benches, and the passing ways. Around the bima. Whether you were standing next to the chazan, whether you were standing by the Aron HaKodesh. By the way, you know what other shul looks like this quite often? Ours. <laughs> this Shabbos, yeah. The Karlovach shul in Manhattan. You know how sm- tiny it is? You probably sit in between the beam and the arm. I don't know exactly where that is. Yeah. It's, it's t- You've been there, Jack. It's on the upper west side. 79th Street. Tiny. The place is tiny. So the later years, also, I feel like this, the lady, Rib Shlomo, there's a video we have of Rib Shlomo doing Slichos 1987. I'll send it to you. There may be 12 people there. Then there's a Slichos he does in 1993. You can't even get through the door. Today, but what you have to, what kind of, Teddy wouldn't be enough, right? The Teddy Stadium. But I'm thinking like this, like Rav Cook at the end of his life, like here it's already mobbed, packed, 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 packed. Hakol atufim talitotehem. Everyone's walking; they have their talis around them. Umishtatfim betfila beema uvechoved rosh. Ve'en klal machshava latzet ulanua. No one's thinking about what break I need. Do I need to go get a breather? No one's thinking like that. Every he's, what he's describing is that everyone that was there was mamish there. You came to be there, to be there, not because you had to catch a minion, okay? Not because it was convenient and it was next to your house, because it wasn't convenient for most of these people to walk through the Arab ship to get there. Actually, I, I don't know, Yos, maybe you know, was there a way to get to those, this area through, like, what, what, what's it called, St. Pat, St. James? 
You know, the, the, the way that Yidin walked through the Rova? Yeah. Armenian quarter over Through there. the Armenian quarter. Was that open back then? Do we even know? Was that was the only way to get there through the Shuk? No, that was open. It was open then too? Yeah. I just, I just know from history there was a, uh, uh, a leper's house that used to be there. Sure, it was no, like there. Conrad Shuk in the 18th. No, but. but, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I, I don't know the cap. Take, but I mean, it, it seems clear that, that he's taking the, he's going through the, the show. Yeah, very clear. So here he continues. You know what that means? A chazan for shachris, he's, he, like what Yuri did here a few years, I mean last year, the year ago, Yuri took us all in captivity. Shava, he just, he was davening for the Amid. I, I've never had such tears before in the yant of davening ever. Yuri was chazan shachris, it just, it, it, it basically it captured the hearts of everyone in here. Took it, ca- took the hearts into captivity. Af <laughs> kitzel, he says, the chazan, as much as he was so give out, kitzel kanire benigunav haneimim. He probably was shortening his nigunim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, he doesn't say yet, but he's saying he seems like he shortened. He could have, he could have gone much longer, but Idafka didn't. Why does, now why does this person say this? Because why? It didn't feel like it was schlepped out at all. And usually if you're standing there, schlepped out, you know, stretched like, like this, and things are taking time, you, it would feel like everything's a schlep. He's saying it wasn't like that at all. It totally, it was, it was, it was flowing. It was time to take out the Torah. בקושי רב מפקיעים להם נושא הספרים והגבאים את דרכם אל הבימה. The guys that are carrying, you take out two sifri tires, the guys that are carrying the sifri tires and the gabaim, they're barely, that actually does happen here, they barely, they barely, barely make it to the bima. They're crowd surfing. העולים לתורה, those who got aliyahs, היו כולם גדולי ירושלים. The greats of Yerushalayim were the ones that got aliyahs. Rishon Allah Harav Be'atzmo, Shaya Kohen. Rav Kook got the first of you. He's the Kohen. Bechol Aolim Acharav Baruchu, Kamuvan, Kodem Kol, Oto, Bebirkat Mishaberach. Meaning what? Anyone that got an Aliyah gave Rav Kook a Mishaberach. Special Mishaberach for Rav Kook. Acharei Kriyat Haftaran, after the Red Haftara, Kam Milmul Bakahal. There's some kind of a, a Milmul, like a. a yeah. Like a murmur. And then suddenly, Rav Kook's going to give a drasha now. The crowdiness and the stuffiness was even greater now. was also very, very hot. On the steps leading up to Aron HaKodesh, Rav Kook in his beautiful appearance, appearance was there. Hu patach bekol namuch. He began in a very low voice. Hu metichut hashomim and the matuach, the tensity, the tenseness in the crowd only became greater and greater. Vechach darash harav. And this is what Rav Kook said, which is what we're going to be continuing tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> I have to figure out a way. Hanging over I gotta, I gotta make sure you guys come to shoot tomorrow. You know, there's no. Yeah. <laughs> you sure, go off, everyone.